Let us pray. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. This season of Epiphany has been all about getting clarity on where the Lord is calling us, his church. We've spent time looking at our mission to praise and proclaim Jesus Christ. And we've looked at the values or our DNA of this church that drive that mission. As we conclude our series today, and perhaps fittingly on the same day as our annual vestry meeting, we're going to take a close look at our vision. Put simply, the vision is who we believe the Lord is calling us to be. Where is he taking us as a church? At St. Aidan's, our vision is to be making and equipping disciples of all generations who faithfully share the saving love of Jesus. Let me say that again, make sure we all caught that. Making and equipping disciples of all generations who faithfully share the saving love of Jesus. Now to me, that sounds great. Definitely sounds good on paper, but what does it look like? What does it mean? Well, to answer those questions, we're going to look at the text that most clearly informs our vision. Our gospel reading from Matthew 28. In this famous passage, we're going to find the foundation and the content of our vision. We'll see how it provides the structure for making and equipping disciples of all generations. And how start to finish, our vision and all that we are and all that we do at St. Aidan's is founded upon, driven, and given meaning by Jesus Christ. That's a lot of ground to cover today, so we're going to dive right in. Our passage, commonly known as the Great Commission, is the final instruction given by Jesus to his disciples just before his ascension. Last words, of course, are very important, but we want to be crystal clear that this universal call to share the gospel and expand the kingdom of God only carries the weight it does because of who it is it's coming from. The only reason we have anything to share at all is because of who Jesus is. Look at verse 18. And he came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now this is one of those what I would call bookend statements. And when we run into one of these in scripture, they are meant to teach us something about the totality of something. Okay? For instance, when Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, what he is teaching there is that Jesus is the beginning of all things and the end of all things. Or in other words, everything is about him. Start, finish, and everything that comes in between is about Jesus. Here, the bookend statement 
is all authority in heaven and on earth. Heaven and earth are our extremes. There are bookends. And what Jesus is saying by saying heaven and earth is that he is the unique ruler of all creation. He is in charge of heaven and earth and all of creation. There is nothing and no one that he is not Lord over. He is absolutely sovereign and powerful and ruling. It's the very idea that Paul brings out in Colossians when he tells us that all things were created through him and for him. Or think back a few months to our sermon series in Daniel when we read about the Son of Man, Jesus, coming before the Ancient of Days and being given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. The point is, that Jesus is in charge. He is Lord. And that, my friends, is very good news. Because unlike the rulers of this world, Jesus doesn't rule over us to dominate us, but rather to invite us to him. The heart of God is to see people in an everlasting relationship with himself. And he has chosen to extend that invitation through his church. Jesus has all authority, and in his authority, he says, Go therefore. Since he is Lord, and the type of Lord that delights in his people, he bids that his people would go and invite others to enjoy his kingdom, to personally know the Lord of all creation. In his authority, Jesus sends his church to do his work in the world. I think if we're honest, that can sometimes feel like a, a bit of a daunting call. Who are we to do the work of Jesus? I understand that. I have some sympathy for that position. When I uh, first arrived at St. Aidan's, many of you got to see that I am what they call an external processor. I, I speak things out. When I'm thinking things through, I, I talk and I talk and I talk and I talk. And most of the time it comes out as a stream of consciousness, which I can't even follow myself, so I don't expect others to, but it's what I do. <laughs> well, as I began to talk and talk and talk about where... God could take this church and where I prayed he would take this church. I would talk about things like growing so much that we would be planting other churches throughout southwestern Ontario. Being a place that helps to train up the next generation of leaders to help spread the gospel throughout Canada. That not only could we grow to have our own building but that we could grow in the right way. That we could grow in such a way as that we would not see a building of our own as an end point, but as a new beginning for gospel work. And that building would be a beacon of light. That we would draw people in as we flooded out the doors to love and serve others. More than once, I would finish what I suppose I would have to call a rant 
(laughs) And the person or people with me would say something like, do you really think that we could do that? It's a fair question. Because those seem like daunting tasks. Big ideas often do seem that way. The work of the gospel often seems like more than we can bear. And the truth is that on our own, we have no chance of accomplishing our vision. None whatsoever. But the truth is, we are not on our own. We serve the Lord of all creation. We serve the God who desires to draw near and empower his people. We serve the one who said in verse 20, And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Start to finish, our call is to faithfully follow Jesus. Because if we make it about anything other than him, we miss the mark entirely and we are lost before we even start. But, if we are all about Jesus, then we are about doing the will and work of the ruler of all things, the one who has ultimate power and authority. So what is it that he can't do? If we are about faithfully following Jesus, faithfully sharing and extending the love of Christ, then if it be his will, there is nothing that can stop his vision from being fulfilled in and through this church. If we faithfully follow him, Jesus can and will do extraordinary things among us and in our city. So before we go any further, I have to ask, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus has greater things planned for St. Aidan's? That he wants us to be a church that praises and proclaims him? Do you believe that he is leading us on and wants to see this church and each individual member grow and flourish? I do. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. And I believe that work is being done here. But we have barely scratched the surface of all that Christ wants to do in and through his people. I get excited thinking about all that Christ has and will do here. I get excited looking back at the foundation that he has laid here for the present and for the future. I get excited that I get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of gospel ministry at St. Aidan's. Do you get excited about that? You want to be a part of that? You want to get in on what Christ is doing in and through this church? I do. And I hope you all do too. Because the truth is, there's nothing better than knowing and serving Jesus. Nothing. That's why we've been getting clarity on our mission, our vision, and our values. And we can trust he will fulfill his desire for this church because he is the God who promises that he is always with us. He loves us, friends. God loves you. 
He's with us. If we at St. Aidan's are about following him, doing his work and will in our city and beyond, there is nothing that can stop him. He will cause us to fulfill his vision that he has given to us, and he will do it in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. And it will be a sight to behold. Because of who our God is, we are to faithfully share his saving love, making and equipping disciples. Let's talk about this making piece for a second. Look at verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's pause there. Making disciples is about an invitation to be a part of something bigger than yourself, as we spoke about a couple weeks ago. The church is called to make disciples by inviting them into relationship with their Heavenly Father. Now, we're not going to spend much time today on what happens in baptism, though it is a good conversation, and I'm sure we'll have it at some point. That day is not today. But we do want to note what we are baptized into Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That name piece is crucial. Because as Scott McKnight helpfully points out, to be baptized in the name of someone is to bring yourself into relation and into union with that person. And it implies being brought under that person's lordship. And isn't that just what we were talking about in our first point? Jesus has issued this commission to his disciples and through them to all who follow Christ based on his eternal lordship. Now, since making disciples is about following Christ's sovereign commission, that means following his parameters for it. What do I mean by that? Well, Christ calls us to make disciples of all nations. Not the people or nations that we would like to make disciples of, but of all nations. By saying nations, Jesus is really saying all types of people. Men, women, all races, all ages, whatever category you want to dream of. Not all people will end up in the kingdom, sadly, but the kingdom will have representation from all tribes and tongues and types of people. It's why we explicitly state in our vision that we are to make disciples of all generations. You see, we tend to like to subdivide ourselves in churches. We, we tend to view people in this almost Dickens Christmas Carol sort of way, where the older folk are the ghost of church past, and the younger folk are the ghost of church future, and never the two shall meet. Truth is, though, we're just the church. The elderly are not the church's past, and the young are not the future of the church. We are all the church, right here and right now. That means each of us has just as much value and worth as the next person, regardless of age, race, gender, language, abilities. We are all of value. We all matter. 
We have all been baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we are under his lordship together. The call of Christ is to make disciples of all generations. And so we are to be a church that invites in young families and older people and single middle-aged folk. And again, whatever category you can come up with. And the beautiful thing about that is when we have all these different groups of people together, we get to see the spirit of God go to work as he makes a divergent people into one. We get to see racial barriers break down as we live as the people of God. We get to see younger people helping out older folks by driving them to appointments or shoveling snow for them. While the aging pass their years of experience and wisdom down to the younger because they don't even know what life is about to hit them with. But they're better off for it because of the mentors that they have in their lives. That's what the church is meant to do for each other. Our church... As all generations and nations come in, more and more reflects the kingdom of God. And so we don't get to limit the reach of Christ's invitation. We don't just invite those that we already like or that don't ever annoy us or don't ever say or do the thing we don't like. We go to make disciples of Jesus, inviting others into a relationship with God and to come into his body, the church, through the gates of baptism, to be a part of Christ's eternal family. But the making is just the beginning. We are called to be a church that equips disciples as well. Many denominations have been accused, sometimes fairly and sometimes not, as simply being about filling the pews. Get them saved and then forget them. Once folks have their fire insurance, let's go find the other non-believers. That's not the call of the Great Commission. And it is not the call of this church. Jesus says in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The relationship is just the beginning. Being introduced to Jesus is just the beginning. Having initially submitted ourselves to him, we are called to do it over and over again as he grows us. And part of how that happens is through being a part of the church, sitting with well-discipled believers and learning from them, learning how to pray and read scripture and then actually doing it. There's nothing sadder to me than a Christian who's not growing in their faith because, well, I believe, so I'm good. The joy of following Jesus comes from knowing him more and living out his commands in the world. And the truth is, the person that claims faith but then lives as if they know nothing about Jesus is incredibly damaging to the church, to the gospel. Other people see that and think, well, clearly Christianity can't have that much to it because if it did, that person might actually live in a way that reflected what they say they believe. And we stop doing that when we stop growing. When we live as if teaching doesn't matter. The call of Jesus is to teach all that he has commanded, not simply believe and leave it at that. Since that is the case, 
If we are to faithfully follow the call of Christ and the vision that he has given this church, we must follow the call, we must take the opportunity to grow in our faith seriously. We must be a church that actually offers opportunities to grow. A church that invites one another and those outside our walls to attend small groups or Bible studies. A church that consistently prays and worships together. And we must be a church that learns from Jesus' teachings, even when those teachings don't quite line up with our modern sensibilities. As challenging as that can be for many of us. If we are to follow Jesus and share his love with people, that means sharing all of what he taught. That means sharing that there actually are moral absolutes and how we speak and treat other people matters. It means that the way we spend our money matters and that Christians should be giving and tithing money, not out of compulsion, but out of a genuine desire to serve and love others. It means that we should forgive those who have sinned against us and we should ask forgiveness from those we have sinned against. In other words, our relationship with Jesus is meant to affect how we live our day-to-day lives. But for that to happen, we have to be active participants in it. We can't just show up and sit on our hands. We need to take the opportunities that the church presents us to learn and to grow. Over this next year, two of the five priorities that I've outlined in my rector's report are about helping to create opportunities for our church to do just that. To grow in relationship with one another and more importantly, with our Lord learning together and to serve with one another in mission. The life of the disciple is about following all that Jesus teaches, and so the life of faith is an active one, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't just sit and enjoy relationship, but have that relationship shape our lives. That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Following Jesus... And walking the narrow road is not always easy for us. Take a look at verses 16 and 17. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. These are the eleven disciples. They were Jesus' boys. (laughs) They knew him better than anyone. They spent more time with him than anyone. And some of them respond rightly. They submit themselves to Jesus. They worship him as Lord. But some doubt it. To be clear, this was not a denial of Christ, but rather a struggling to wrap their minds about what was happening here. If you've read the Gospels, you know it wasn't always clear to the eleven what Jesus was doing or where he was taking them. But yet, if you read the rest of the story, Acts and beyond, you know that Christ used these eleven to help spread his gospel throughout the world. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, they did incredible things for the cause of Christ. They changed the course of world history. These 11, 
those that worshipped and those that doubted. The encouragement here for us is this. We might have questions as we walk with Christ. We might have questions. We might wonder how he's going to fulfill the vision he's given us. We might not be sure how he's going to accomplish what he has called us to. And if those who literally walked shoulder to shoulder with Christ were unsure sometimes, we shouldn't really be that surprised that we are too. But the answer is in the same passage. When faced with doubt and a lack of clarity, we submit ourselves to Christ again. In the face of those doubts, in the face of uncertainty, we submit ourselves to him. Just as some of the eleven did when they saw the risen Christ. We call him Lord and we worship him. We say, Jesus, I have no idea how you're going to provide for us. I don't know how you're going to move us forward, but I know that you're Lord. Give me a heart to follow you. Give me a heart to follow all that you command and to make and equip others to do the same, to submit myself to you, my Lord, my God, my Savior. Dear people of Christ at St. Aidan's, we are a people called to praise and proclaim Jesus Christ. And in so doing, empowered by the Holy Spirit, living as a gospel people, a Bible people, a praying people, a worshiping people, a discipling people, and as a people together, our Lord will fulfill his vision through us. To be a people that are making and equipping disciples of all generations who faithfully share the saving love of Jesus. That, my friends is the road ahead, and what a road it's going to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you that... Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in him we have a mission, that we have a purpose, that we have a life worth living. Thank you that there is nothing better than loving him and serving him, and we pray, Lord, that you would always give us a heart to do just that, that this church would always be a church long after every one of us are gone that praises and proclaims Jesus Christ to Windsor and beyond. Help us always to be a church that fulfills your mission. Empower us this day and all our days. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.